Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Catafamo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Well, we're back. It's been definitely over a month and probably way too long, but we're finally back. I said that we would be back when baseball comes back. I don't know if I said that exactly in the last episode because it's been so long, but regardless, I'm back and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Jim Eisenacher. Jim, how have you been since we took this hiatus? It's been 84 years since uh, we last recorded a podcast or Feels whatever like the number was the lady said in Titanic. Either way, I'm excited to be back. I'm happy to be back. And you know, Phil, there are three things in life that are for sure. Uh-huh. Death, taxes, and Kershaw lands on the IL with an injured back. Yes, uh, we just got that update. Clayton Kershaw is, uh, is dealing with some back issues. I think that's an issue that he has dealt with before. Dustin May will then be the starting, uh, excuse me, will be the opening day starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who was initially optioned earlier this week, but May looked really good in uh, in these summer simulated games. Uh, Jim, just kind of in general, not necessarily for the Angels ex- exclusively, but how did you feel about the the summer games? How did you think they went? Do you think that having no fans is going to really affect a lot of teams? What do you what do you think about the summer games in general? I think the one word really to sum everything up is surreal. It yeah. was very surreal, and it, it just made it even even more so with the piped in uh, crowd cheering noise and stuff. They haven't exactly nailed that down. I mean, when you have a team that comes back from an eight-run deficit to take the lead, and it's just, you know, ooh, yeah. Uh, You guys need to tweak that a little more. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm very excited. I cannot wait for baseball to fully start up here in uh, only a couple of of hours, really, we have the first pitch. That's right. Uh, I'm I am ecstatic, and we've got we've got the Angels uh, getting set to uh, to pitch. And you mentioned uh, the Dodgers are calling up Dustin May. Yeah, can you imagine the range of emotions going from being sent down one week to being the opening day starter? I mean, that's that's is that that's got to be damn near close to unprecedented. Uh, well, I think the uh, initial idea was that May was going to start quote-unquote uh, optioned. He wasn't going to be on the opening day roster. That doesn't mean that he wasn't going to pitch. Uh, I think the consensus around sort of the Dodgers organization and what I've seen on Twitter is that May was more than likely going to pitch after Bueller, so he was going to get called up regardless. Uh, but yeah, I, I can understand maybe it being a little surreal where you're like, oh man, I, I thought I was going to make the opening day roster and I don't, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be playing this year. I feel like that's more more of a question mark for Gavin Lux, less of Dustin May. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree that it, it might be a little weird for May, but good for him. His first opening day start, uh, a lot of high hopes for him in Los Angeles, uh, along with Walker Buehler kind of setting the stage for the after Kershaw years. But, anyway, um, I also agree that I think the, the pumped-in crowd noise is a little weird. Uh, you do kind of lose that human reaction to certain things where you've got the the sort of lull from the home crowd if they're down by a significant amount of, of runs and, and that sort of slow build into excitement when, uh, when your team starts to come back. It's very much generic cheering, generic booing. You won't have that, you know, that 
that reaction to a really bad pitch or or that oh as the ball barely hits you know across the foul uh, foul line there's a lot of just that human reaction that we're missing with this pumped in crowd noise and having those fans in the stands is a little weird as well uh, all in all we're all we're both very very happy that baseball is coming back it's just a little surreal i agree uh it's going to be weird to get used to thankfully and hopefully it'll only be just for this season uh, but for right now, Jim and I are excited, and uh, we're ready to talk about some baseball. Um, like we mentioned, baseball's back, finally, uh, and, and we're going to kind of preview the Angels' season. This is how the show's going to break down. We're going to talk about the Angels' season uh, for 2020 coming up, and then we're going to go into our full MLB p- playoff predictions and our award predictions. I know that we did this earlier in the year when we did not have COVID restrictions and lockdowns and uh, masks and no fans. So this is now our updated version of our, our awards. We're going to do that. Uh, got a packed show for you, and we will be. I want to say this uh, first and foremost: we'll be not unless there is some sort of something personally that goes on with Jim or myself. I highly doubt that we will have another hiatus again. Um, we are going to be following the Angels all season long through the 60-game schedule. Expect possibly two episodes a week. I'm going to talk more with Jim about that. Uh, and uh, we're just going to give you as much updates on the team as we can. Uh, so stick around. We've got a lot more stuff coming on. The show is not over by any stretch of the imagination. We just took a little break, much like the MLB did. And now we're back and we're ready to go. So Jim... The Los Angeles Angels are in a position right now to contend for a wild card spot and possibly for that second or first place spot in the division. As we know, the playoffs have been expanded, so the top two teams of the divisions will be making the playoffs along with the usual two wild card teams. So, Jim, what has to happen for the Angels in 2020 for them to make a run not only at the playoffs but possibly a World Series ring their first since 2002? Or second since 2002. Uh, they need to win more games than the other teams. Specifically, Jim. <laughs> no, uh, really what needs to happen is you need to come out firing on all cylinders. And to be honest, this, the, the, the shortened season really plays perfectly into the Angels' hands because you're looking at the possibility of this point in the season. If everything goes to plan and we have a full regular season, mm-hmm. Angels might not even be in contention since they would have started the season Without Shohei Otani, right, and uh, w- without Andrew Heaney really being being able to come back at full strength. Now you've got uh, all the all the injuries out of the way, uh, except for uh, Rendon, which we'll we'll get to a little a little later on here, right. But I don't think that's going to be anything near as serious. Now you're getting for a full season for what it is a sixty game season, a fully healthy and rested Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And everything just just full born ready to go. I've been this excited leading into an Angel season in a while because for the first time in in quite a few seasons, there is a really a playoff not, not just hopes but expectations yeah. for this team. Yeah, and I think definitely what benefits the Angels is that expanded playoff, is that not only will they get an opportunity to possibly make the playoffs uh, in the second seed, but also as a wild card, there's a few teams in the AL that I don't really think are going to be making the playoffs that usually do, and I think that helps the Angels slide in almost perfectly. For me, I agree, Jim, they need to stay healthy. Otani's got to come back and pitch well, hit well, get over some of the injuries that he's had, and stay healthy in general. Anthony Rendon, his injury does suck, but he will be back. And uh, for right now, we'll see David Fletcher at third. I think David Fletcher had a very good summer ball. He had a great spring. I think he's going to possibly be a breakout candidate for this team. We'll get to that also later. Um, I, I really like Anthony Rendon. What he adds to this lineup when he's healthy is is 
going to help this team significantly overcome an injury possibility like Shohei Otani, who has been hurt in the past. And having somebody like Anthony Rendon in the lineup can overcome that, something they did not have last year. Uh, they cannot tax the bullpen like they did last year. You cannot have your starters go more, go less than four innings and and tax the bullpen like they did last year. That's the reason why they brought in Julio Tehran and Dylan Bundy, is so that those two guys can eat up innings, uh, as well as Matt Andresi, who are three, quote-unquote, bottom-tier starters slash long relievers. Um, those three alone are there to help eat up innings as a starter and not tax your bullpen as much. You need Andrew Heaney to bounce back. You need a healthy Shohei Otani. And you need guys like Griffin Canning, who I think pitched very well. Again, we'll get to that. Uh, the younger guys need to step up. Griffin Canning, Dylan Peters. There are a few other guys, uh, Felix Pena as well, who need to come in and pitch well and help round out this rotation as well for the bullpen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically, in my opinion... Point A has to be stay healthy, and then the rest can just go from where it needs to go. Yeah, you know, with, with a 60-game season, really all you need is is one good run. We see teams that will go out and rip off 10 straight wins. Right. You do that, you're already – I suck at percentages, so this is going to sound terrible. You're already, what, a tenth of the way through the season? You're pretty much close, yeah. You're, you're, you, you, and that's another thing I forgot to mention was starting hot. With the injury to Rendon, this team cannot take a step back. We, the Angels cannot be at 500, below 500 when Rendon comes back. They need to make up ground when Rendon comes in. And I'm confusing myself by saying that. My point being is that if the Angels can start out on the right foot, bringing in Anthony Rendon only increases their chances to make the playoffs. But if they start out poor like they did last year, or excuse me, in the second half of last year, if they just start falling apart, there's no way that this team is ever going to make the playoffs, even in a shortened season. Well, if you ask Angels Twitter, they have David Fletcher, and he's the greatest player to ever I love play David in the Fletcher. history of the game of baseball. I love David Fletcher. I love David Fletcher. I love Tommy Lasella. Yeah, Tommy Lasella. You know, Lestella. This, is, this Angels lineup really has the least amount of holes I've seen in in quite a quite a long time. This is definitely one of the deepest teams the Angels have had in a in a very long time, uh, and they're only really a few pieces away from making a really really strong push for the uh, AL West. But we'll see what happens. Sixty game season. I, I think it's great for this team right now, as long as they just stay healthy and start off hot and. Uh, you know, avoid as much catastrophe as possible. Breakout players, Jim. We saw some younger prospects play pretty well in the summer leagues. Anybody jump out of you specifically? Uh, in terms of prospects, I mean, I absolutely love the way Joe Adele looked, but I, I agree, and I, I've been saying it for a while here on this podcast. I agree with what uh, uh, with you know Coach Madden said, and that's he, he still has a lot of holes in his game. And I, I firmly believe if we see him this season, then something. Uh, went terribly wrong. But if you go back to the, to I guess what do we call it? Spring training one yeah, the first like time we hit spring training, right? Um, you know, I, I thought he he looked good. So the the, the time off between you know one and two point it's ridiculous that we even have to classify this. Yeah. Um, you know, he he made improvements. He worked on the swing. So uh, you know, he's still young. He's still going to be learning, but. It might be the cheap way out to say that one of the top prospects in all of baseball is the guy I'm looking forward to seeing and really improves. But, you know, the, the proof is right there in the pudding. I've got four guys uh, that I, I I think could actually break out for the Angels this year. Definitely Joe Adele is one of them. 
I agree that maybe this year isn't the year to bring him up. Uh, like you said, Jim, he's got some holes that he needs to fill out. Had some minor defensive issues in some of the games that he was in in the summer leagues. Uh, hit very, very well, which is great. Uh, but he definitely needs a little bit more time to sort of perfect and fine-tune just a couple things before he comes up. Definitely is a a, a, possibly, a possibility to make the roster next season. Uh, and maybe we'll see him in an expanded playoff roster if the Angels make it. Another guy I really liked, Griffin Canning. I think Griffin Canning looked amazing against the Padres in his first start. He had five Ks, allowed zero runs. Uh, I think he's another guy that needs to be there and be productive to round out the rotation. I've always liked Griffin Canning. I- I'm glad that he's starting to put it together. I know, you know being the Padres isn't necessarily the biggest thing, especially with most of the teams uh, playing a lot of their prospects, but still, a good outing is a good outing, and it's nice to see Griffin Canning back- bouncing back. Matt Andresi, who I mentioned earlier, another guy who I thought pitched very well on Wednesday against San Diego in their second game, Hansel Robles, who is, for now, the closer for the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, he pitched really well in his outing on Wednesday and the first time they played against the Padres, which is great. It's nice to see the bullpen having some pieces work out. Matt Andresi, obviously kind of a low-radar free agency pickup. But it's nice to see him pitching well and Hansel Robles. Uh, they need the bullpen to play well, and and the strength of the bullpen will determine if they can make a long run in the playoffs. They get taxed early. It's going to be just like last year, but if they can be utilized properly, I think the Angels look really good, and, and Andresi and Robles are two guys that I really like. Yeah, especially with what you said with Griffin Canning. Yeah. You know, he was a guy that was, was rushed up out of necessity last year. Yeah. And because of that, you know, it, it really set him back in terms of his development. When you have when you have a young guy that is clearly not ready to be out there, no fault of his own. Mm-hmm. But I thought he performed more than admirably last season. At times, he was the the best pitcher on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really we had to see what he could do this off season to to kind of build on that. And I think he did and showed everything you needed to show to get out there. You know, he he's fully healthy. And he now is really one of the guys that, like you said, is going to be counted on for this Angels roster to go anywhere near the postseason. Very much so. Um, yeah, well, you know, time will tell. Obviously, like I mentioned, we're going to be reporting on this team all season long uh, through these 60 games, and it would be nice to see the younger core, these guys that we're going to see in the next five years, like Griffin Canning, like Joe Adele, playing well, even if it's just in these small increments, in these small sample size excuse me, these small sample sizes, it's really good to see the young core starting to click a little bit more. And then there's obviously prospects who still have yet to come up and the Angels are, are still kind of rebuilding their their, pro, their minor league system. So it'll be interesting, but I think this 60-game season will, uh, will tell you a lot about the development of guys like Griffin Canning, where they're at in their development in this shorter season. So, uh, Jim, you have anything else that we should mention about the Angels before we move on to our predictions? Uh, just, to, just not really something to mention other than the fact that let's just go ahead and uh, talk about, you know, your former teammate making the opening day roster. Uh, who's that? Taylor Ward. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Yes, I, I've mentioned this on the what show. What other Major League Baseball player did you play with that made the Angels opening roster? Uh, not the Angels, but I played with Tyson Miller, who was drafted by the Cubs in the fourth round. He didn't make the opening day roster, but he's very close to making it up to the big league. Uh, shout out Tyson, who just got verified on Twitter. Good for you, man. I doubt you listen to the show. But anyway, yeah, I, I've mentioned that, <laughs> I mentioned on the show before that I used to go to high school with Taylor Ward. Uh, and, and yes, I'm very happy that Taylor made the roster. I thought he played great in spring training 
1.0, I guess. And he didn't look bad in the summer league. Uh, he had this he had this catch. Uh, I think that when they were playing the Padres the first time, and the ball hit the wall first in foul territory and kind of bounced into his glove, and they counted it as an out, uh, which good for Taylor. Great catch. Technically not a, not an out, but regardless, look, it's great to see Taylor up. Uh, like I mentioned, I played baseball with Taylor. We are not super close friends, but it's nice to see a fellow Shadow Hills Knight. Uh, uh, making the major league roster. I think Taylor brings a lot of versatility. He's a guy who can play the outfield. He can play the infield. I still have yet to... I'm still scratching my head why they haven't used him at catcher, but for some... But whatever that reason may be, he showed... He has showed... Uh, time at third when he first initially came up he played a great left field in the summer league congrats Taylor I'm very happy for you man and I know you also don't listen to the show but uh, I'm I'm happy for him good good for Taylor Ward like I said he brings a lot of versatility much like Tommy Listella a guy who can play everywhere Uh, his bat's starting to come around and we'll see what he can do in this shortened season now he was initially drafted by the Angels as a catcher before uh, shifting over to third base when you played with him in high school, what did he look like? Did, did he touch the outfield? I know he, he caught a lot with the Knights out here. Basically, yeah. can you talk a little bit, as somebody who saw him firsthand, you know, really grow, yeah. can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in his game that has improved from his high school days to now making the pro ball club? Well, I think it's just that. I think it's the versatility. Um, Taylor was and probably is one of the best catchers to come out of Shadow Hills High School, his father, Joe, who is one of the nicest guys in the world and is a passionate baseball former, I believe he played minor league ball for the Reds, I think. Uh, but he just built Taylor up into this this specimen of a catcher. I remember when Taylor came to Shadow Hills, he transferred from Florida. I was getting ready to be the, the catcher uh, at Shadow Hills. Um, not the, the varsity catcher, but I was one of the catchers that was considered at the time. We did not have a varsity team. We had JV and freshman. I went to a brand new school. Uh, so Taylor came in. I'm about. I was about five seven in high school, uh, and I was great in rec league baseball. Not so great in travel, uh, which is another long story that I'm not going to get into. Uh, and Taylor stepped in. The guy was like six one coming in, fast as hell with his feet. Oh my god, he had the quickest feet I'd ever seen. A cannon for an arm and a great bat. Taylor is is an incredible baseball player. I'm lucky to have played with him, but in high school he was a catcher. That, plain and simple. He was going to be the catcher. He was best utilized at catcher. He was our best catcher. There's no question that that opening day, quote-unquote, Taylor was going to be starting at catcher for Shadow Hills and batting in the 4-5. Um, when he went to Fresno State, I believe he was a catcher his, ent- his entire career. And then when he went to the majors and in the minor leagues, that's obviously when they started playing with his versatility. And when I was in high school, Taylor had like – one or two outings as a relief pitcher because he could throw so fast. But other than that, I don't really remember Taylor playing any other position. He may have practiced with the outfielders. I stopped playing my sophomore year, so I can't necessarily say what he did his junior year or his senior year because I was not there um, or what positions he played. But from when I was there, Taylor was a catcher. And I and when the Angels drafted him, I figured they got a great catcher for the future and they never used him at catcher and said they moved him. So to long-form answer, answer your question, Jim, I have not seen him play any other position but catcher, and what he has developed into is a very versatile veteran player who brings a lot of experience at the minor league and now at the major league level. I don't know. I hope that he gets past that title and can find a home in left field or find a home in the infield or if if 
need be, find a home on another team. But uh, Taylor is an incredible talent. Uh, in in the small exchanges I've had with him, they've been very positive. And like I said, as a guy who went to high school with him, I'm happy for him. I hope that he continues to to produce at the major league level. And he had some struggles early on in his career, and it's nice to see that they're starting. He's starting to turn the tide a little bit and play well. And I'm excited to see what he does this year, but he brings a lot of versatility to the Angels that he did not bring when he was in high school. Jim, again, to answer your question, versatility is what I've seen. Yeah, and it's good to note that last season, which is the only sample size we have on him right. in the outfield, in nine games, 60 innings, zero errors. And that goes against 44 games he's played at third base with four errors. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know, maybe they finally found the magic formula where he can stick around and, you know, until. Joe Adele can come up, or maybe you know something happens, and he and he even sprouts yeah. and really starts challenging for that position. Either way, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, and and like I mentioned, Taylor does have pitching experience, so if the Angels really wanted to, they could maybe convert him to a relief pitcher. Uh, like I said, the guy throws hard. Uh, it's big, maybe uh, very poss- probably not going to ever happen, but. Give him a shot at catcher. He's a great catcher. Just give him a shot. I, I think he really, really could surprise a few guys. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. But uh, MLB predictions, Jim. We tried them in the early part of the year, and it didn't work out. But we're trying them again now. We've got an expanded playoffs. We'll start in the National League. Jim, who do you have winning the AL West, the AL Central? Oh, my God. The NL West, the NL Central, and the NL East, along with the wild cards. Do you want to go back and redo that? I don't. We're going to keep going. <laughs> okay, well, in the National League AL West, apparently is what we're going with. I yes. got the uh, Dodgers winning the division with, and this is going to be a surprise, I'm going to have the Rockies finishing oh. second over the Diamondbacks. I, I, I just like what, what Colorado's got going on there. Plus, you give me a 60-game season of Nolan Arenado and crew where they can just crank the ball out there at, at Coors. Man, I, I like what the Rockies got going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, jumping over to the Central, I've got the Cardinals and the Brewers. So in the NL East, I'm going to have uh, – went back and forth on this, and I'm going to have the Braves winning the division. And if you ask me again in 10 minutes, I'll probably flip it to the Mets, who I'm going to have taking in the second. Uh-huh. And then for my wild card, I'm going to have the Diamondbacks out of the West. That's okay. going to be taking it. So uh, just to recap, I've got the Dodgers, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Cardinals, Brewers, Braves, and Mets from the National League making it into the postseason. Okay, uh, for the NL West, I've got the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. I think it's pretty safe to assume that the Dodgers will more than likely have the best record in the entire NL in general. Uh, They're always a lock to win the NL West, and I think they'll win it again here. I like the Diamondbacks. I think the addition of Madison Bumgarner significantly improves their starting rotation, along with Zach Gallion, who is a, a prospect that a lot of Diamondbacks fans are excited about. Uh, and and I think that the Diamondbacks are slightly better than the Padres, uh, but but not by much. It's very very close. I had a, a huge argument with with an with a Yankees fan with a Yankees fan about the the Padres and the Diamondbacks. I, I looked at my roommate and I said I can't believe I'm defending the Padres, but I, I will acknowledge that I think in terms of standings, it's going to be close. It's going to be very close. But I think the Diamondbacks barely edge the Padres. Uh, in that second seed, maybe by just a handful of games. They were very, very close last year. Uh, but I think Madison Bumgarner helps. Starling Marte helps. Team's got to stay healthy, and their bullpen really needs to figure it out because they got a really bad bullpen that get, kicks them out of games. 
and, uh, and and that needs to change. For the NL Central, I've got the Reds and the Brewers. I love the Reds. I think they made some amazing offseason moves to put them from the bottom of the division to the top. They've got a lot of great young players. Aristides Aquino is going to be a powerhouse in this 60-game season, along with um, Nick Sensel. I like the Reds a lot. Uh, the Brewers, again, always seem to contend no matter what year it is. Uh, Christian Yelich is going to come back healthy and ready to go and, and hopefully will put up similar MVP numbers that he had. I believe it was twenty either 17 or 18 that he won the NL MVP. In the East, I've got the Braves and the Phillies. I love the Braves. I cannot tell you how much, how much of a fan I am of Ronald Acuna Jr. He is an incredible talent, and he, along with a lot of the young and super talent that the Braves have, it's been a long time since the Braves have been this good, and they're only going to get better. I think the loss of Austin, or excuse me, the loss of Josh Donaldson isn't going to be as impactful as some people may think. I think Austin Riley slides in perfectly at third. Uh, Max Freed as starting pitcher. They've got um, Colby Allard as well. Sean Newcomb. I'm missing somebody who's really big. Uh, Mike so- uh, Mike Soroka. I love Mike Soroka. Uh, the Braves are a solid team, uh, and-, and I think they're going to easily win the NL East. And I may have them in my World Series predictions. I'm not sure just yet. Phillies are the other team I like. Uh, again, some offseason moves that are great. Didi Gregoriets bringing in Joe Girardi, a guy who's established in the playoffs. I love Joe Girardi. I think the Phillies are are primed for a good run as well at the playoffs this year. They were very disappointing last year. And in the wild card, I've got the Padres. There they go. They slide into the wild card spot. Like I mentioned, still a young team. They've got a lot of great talent. Uh, Joey Lucchese. Uh, Dillison Lament, Chris Paddock is going to come back healthy this year. Mackenzie Gore may be making the team later in the season, did not make the uh, uh, the opening day roster, but we could see him later. Their bullpen, very solid. I love Kirby Yates. I think they've got a lot of great pieces. Uh, their infield will get a healthy Tatis this year, which is phenomenal. The addition of Tommy Fan helps a lot. Uh, he's a significant increase over, uh, over uh, Hunter Renfro, who is now with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, their catching position is still a question mark for me. Austin Hedges is a great defensive catcher, cannot hit at all, and Francisco Mejia is essentially the flip of that. Defensively is okay, hitting is much better compared. And I've got the Cubs again, another team that always consistently contends. I like the Cubs in my final wild card spot. So to recap, NL West, Dodgers, D backs, NL Central, Reds, Brewers, NL East, Braves, Phillies, and the wild card, Padres, Cubs. Jim, AL time. Who do you got? Okay, the real AL this time. That's uh, right. I'm going <laughs> to start in the East. Uh, I'm going to have the Yankees taking that division. I mean, if there's any team that, that is just tailor-made for the kind of season we're going to have right now, right. It, it's it's the Yankees. I'm going to go with the Rays at number two over what looks to be an absolute dumpster fire in Boston right now, especially with the Mookie Betts move where he, he was in that building for a total cumulative time of like 20 minutes talking about in Los Angeles before he signed an extension and the Red Sox couldn't get that done. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to change over there in Boston, but that's a whole other story for another time. Uh, in the uh, AL Central, I am going with the uh, Twins to win the division with the White Sox actually taking the second place spot. Uh, and then in the AL West, I have got the uh, Astros winning uh, the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you want to call them. The trash uh, I got the Angels taking uh, the second, and then I have the Athletics winning the wild card out of the West there. So okay. uh, I've got the Yankees and the Rays out of the East. Mm-hmm. I've got the Twins and the White Sox out of the Central, and I have the Astros, the Angels, and the Athletics out of the West. 
Okay, I've got for the ALS, this is just how my formatting was, uh, I've got the Houston Astros as well. Unfortunately, the cheating team did not significantly get penalized as they should have, so uh, they still get to play this year. Uh, they're still the same team. They lost Garrett Cole, but they still have Zach Granke and Justin Verlander. Verlander, of course, won the Cy Young last year. Uh, they still got Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa. They're pretty much the same team. They're always a powerhouse in the AL West, even if they know what pitch is coming. Uh, my second team is the Athletics. I've really been liking some of the development that I've seen from the Oakland Athletics. They, for the very for a very long time, were the team that would contend and then get rid of everybody and then contend again. And I think they're in a good spot right now. They're kind of on that teetering of, are we going to be a contender in the division or are we going to go back to re- rebuilding? Uh, uh, Jesus Luzardo is going to be a phenomenal addition to that starting rotation. You still got Matt Olson. You still got Matt Chapman. You still got Chris Davis, who hits the cover off the ball. Uh, I like the Athletics in that second spot for the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins, and the Chicago White Sox. Uh, again, the addition of Josh Donaldson increases a team that already hits home runs significantly. You pair him up with Nelson Cruz. Uh, Donaldson is a much better defensive player at third than Miguel Sano was, in my opinion. Uh, they're both great hitters. They've been able to upgrade where they need. Chicago White Sox, same thing. They're going to get Luis Robert this year. They're going to get uh, Michael Kopich back. They're going to get uh, – uh, they just signed Yasmani Grandal to sort of solidify their catching position. They're a very, very talented young team. Maybe some question marks in the bullpen, but I like what I see from the Chicago White Sox building up for this season. They should easily win – maybe win the division, but more than likely side into that number 2 spot. Uh, in the East, I've got the Yankees. I don't need to tell you why. It's pretty obvious. And I've got the Rays. I like the Rays a lot. I think they're very close. The, the Blue Jays and the Rays, I think, for the next few years, are going to start to really control that division. Yankees have a lot of guys on the payroll, and it's going to start to catch up to them eventually. And I think the Rays are in a, a really good spot to, to step up above the Yankees and the Blue Jays as well. They're building a good young core around their, their three-headed monster with Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who should have been an angel, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, but there is a lot of good things building around in the AL East. The Red Sox are starting to fall apart. The Orioles are still about 60 years away from being considered a wild card team. But for right now, I like the Yankees and the Rays. And in the wild card, I got the Angels and the Indians. The Indians are another team that somehow always contend. Their division is no longer theirs, so the wild card is where they slide in. They were not able to move Francisco Lindor, which I think is a move they will regret because they could have got a lot for him. And I think that his stock is only going down uh, if they if the Indians decide to hang on to him. Of course, he, he's probably going to be fine in the season. I don't even know why I said that. But anyway, uh, the Angels as well. I think the bullpen still has a lot of question marks. I like the starting rotation, but they've also got a lot of question marks. The only thing that's really solid about the Angels right now is their lineup. And I know that technically Rendon is not going to be starting uh, in the game tomorrow, which would technically be today when you're listening. Uh, but I still think the Angels lineup-wise are very, very solid, and they're only getting better. It's just the pitching staff and the bullpen, I still have question marks about. There's still a lot of things that need to happen. So, Jim, we've we've predicted our NL and AL uh, playoff predictions. Now let's go into some of the awards. I will start this time, and we will start in the National League with the MVP. I've got Ronald Acuna Jr. The guy's been putting up MVP numbers ever since he came up. This is his year. He's going to tear it up with the Braves this year, even if the Braves don't make the playoffs somehow. Ronald Acuna Jr. is still going to be the bright spot of that team. He is an incredible talent. This is not going to be the first time he wins the MVP. For Rookie of the Year, I've got two guys not, not winning it together. I got Carter Keyboom of the Washington Nationals. I think him stepping up 
to take over for Anthony Rondon at third will be more impactful than people think. The guy was batting two thirty three before spring training ended, which is not in, is not you know in, is super impressive, but it's it's good numbers, especially since he batted like one eighty something coming up last year. He's going to turn. He's going to to give the the Nationals a good option at third base, and I like Carter Keboom a lot. Another guy is Joey Bart. The DH for the NL is going to be very beneficial to teams that have that sort of dual question marks at positions. you got Buster Posey at catcher, and then you've got Joey Bart at catcher. And you can't play both of them at the same time, obviously. I know that the Giants have sort of played with maybe moving Buster Posey over to first, but the DH is going to allow them to have Buster Posey catch and have Joey Bart DH and vice versa. Joey Bart is a great catching prospect. He's a phenomenal hitter. I think when given the opportunity to play for this club, he's going to show why he's one of their top prospects. And for the Cy Young, I'm giving it to Clayton Kershaw. I know he's currently dealing with back injuries, but I'm going to stick with this prediction for now. Kershaw was a 16-game winner last year. A lot of people love to point out his playoff struggles, and I know that they are and should be considered in a lot of things. Maybe not for the Cy Young. should be more looked at the regular season, but um, and it is. But I think Clayton Kershaw this year is hungry to get over that playoff hump. He's hungry to show that he is still one of the best pitchers in the league. And he'll get over this back issue, hopefully for Dodgers fans. Uh, but I still really think Clayton Kershaw could be a good dark horse candidate. He's my pick for NL Cy Young. I'm probably going to be wrong about that, but I'm willing to be wrong about it because I believe in Clayton Kershaw. Jim, what do you got? Uh, who did you pick for your NL MVP again? Ronald Acuna Jr. Right. Uh, the, you can't go wrong wrong with uh, Ronald Cunha Jr., but I just believe in a shortened season where hitters don't have to really contain themselves for an entire season, it's hard to stop me from thinking that Nolan Arenado in, in, in Colorado is just not going to go off and have a monster season. He already has the numbers in, in, in the short span where we see him just accumulate all these hits, all these home runs, it, it's what he does. You know, he'll get on a little bit of a slump, and then he'll come back and rocket it up. And I just think Nolan Arenado is not going to be able to be stopped this year. Uh, for my NL Rookie of the Year, i got to agree with you on one half of your guys. Joey Bart, I absolutely love him. And I've been thinking the same thing. Once the DH becomes a thing, which is something that I tried telling people years ago was only a matter of time until the National League adopted it. Um, right. it's going to change a lot of careers and Joey Bart's going to be one of them because like you said, you can't play both of them. I just hope that there's, there's somebody there working with him because the hardest thing in sports to do is replace a legend. And that's exactly what he's going to have to do when he steps uh, behind the plate to catch. Right. And for the National League, Cy Young, a little bit of a surprise pick here. I'm going to go Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Okay. Uh, again, this is going to be one of those one of those wonky seasons that we, we hopefully will never see again. And all it takes is to get on a good roll. And Zach Lewis showed at the end of last season that uh, he was more than able to live up to the Cy Young caliber that really he's had placed upon his name when he was coming up through the Mets organization over the years. So mm-hmm. uh, just to recap, I've got Nolan Arenado winning the NL MVP. I've got Joey Bart winning the NL Rookie of the Year, and Zach Wheeler winning the National League Cy Young. Also, Zach Wheeler should have signed with the Angels. Just throw that out there to finish. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to the AL. Uh, I've got Aaron Judge winning the MVP, another guy who will take advantage of the 60-game season, really wants to get that revenge back for 2017, especially finding out when the Astros that that 
the Astros cheated. Uh, and I think Aaron Judge is going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And, and the Yankees are, are one of the top teams to go to the World Series this year. So it's going to be led by Aaron Judge. Rookie of the Year, I've got Luis Robert. I love Luis Robert. I think he's a five-tool player. He is what we are hoping to get out of Joe Adele when Joe Adele finally comes up. Uh, I'm a big fan of Luis Robert. Uh, and, and I think he he fits in perfectly with the White Sox. They are just such a a young, exciting team. And... and the addition of Luis Robert really helps that out, and he's got a great bat. He's a good fielder. This guy's fast as uh, fast as lightning or, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, but he's just he's putting it all together at the right time, and I think he's he's going to be a lock for Rookie of the Year this year. And for Cy Young, I got Garrett Cole. Look, Garrett Cole's a great pitcher. He lost out to his former teammate Justin Verlander last year. Uh, I think Cole comes in New York and just continues to pitch well. He's an obvious pick for Cy Young, but he's my choice uh, to win the AL Cy Young. Jim, who do you got? Okay, so we're we're uh, gonna start with a surprise pick. I'm gonna go a little out of order here. Okay. Uh, for my AL Cy Young, I'm going Lucas Giolito from the White Sox. Okay. Uh, I think that the stage is gonna be perfectly set for him with with this shortened season, to where he's just gonna come out and absolute ball. Plus, expectations are low. He's especially for the White Sox. He's only 26. Uh, he, he cut his ERA in half coming over from uh, 2018 to 2019. Yeah. I expect him to continue to improve on that and put it all together this year in this shortened season. Uh, okay. For my – where did I leave off that? Uh, for the MVP, I'm going for uh, Mike Trout for the Angels because yeah. um, it, it, until somebody can prove that they're a better player in baseball than Mike Trout, there should be absolutely no reason that anybody wins it over him. Mm-hmm. I will go to my grave saying that. Uh, and for my American League Rookie of the Year, I'm going with uh, uh, Lewis Roberts from the White Sox. I think that they are going to be is, – is it Robert? No, it's Robert. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I'm Robert. Uh, Lewis Roberts from the White Sox uh, for Rookie of the Year. I, I just I, – I don't know why I'm so drawn to Chicago for, for this season. I, maybe it's, it's a sign that – I'm fully going senile. Maybe the concussions are finally cut off to me, but I, I just I think something special is going to be brewing there in Chicago. All right. Well, there you go. There are our predictions. Will they be right? Will they be wrong? There's only one way to find out. Baseball starts this week, today. If you're listening to the show today, that would be 7-24-2020. And we are excited. We're finally happy to have baseball. We will be continuing our coverage for the Angels all year long right here on Believe in Angels. Jim, before we send it away, is there anything else that you would like to talk about for the 2020 season uh, before we, we call it a night? Uh, not so much about the 2020 season, but more the fact that I need to get myself a Nate Robinson jersey. Yes, you do. Yes, very much so. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking, like genuinely, I'm, I'm looking to get a couple jerseys. I'd love to get a Luis Robert jersey, a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey. There's a few jerseys I got my, my eye on, uh, and obviously it, I'd love a Mike Trout jersey, but uh, we're getting there. We're, we're really getting there. But, you know, we, we have had these conversations so many times over the years, and I always, I always hear the, the same old argument from people, I will never own a jersey of another team. It's like, dude, you need to calm down and like respect the sport overall. Yeah. Don't just be so blinded by the fact that you're a fan of a team, man. I mean, that just that just closes off the entire sport. And, and the, any sport is just so gorgeous to watch. If you can't appreciate great play on other teams, then you don't deserve to watch great play on your team. I will say that I there are a few teams that I will refuse to wear material of. The Yankees are one. The Diamondbacks are one. The uh, Astros is one. 
Uh, the Raiders, I won't wear any Raiders stuff, um, though I will acknowledge I'm interested to see what the new Las Vegas Raiders look like. Uh, and anything in Seattle, because I'm a 49ers fan. Uh, so there are certain teams that I won't wear stuff for. I will acknowledge that, like, Russell Wilson is a phenomenal quarterback. You know, that, that the Raiders are, are building an interesting team in the out in the NFC West. Or, excuse me, AFC West. Uh, you know, I, I'll acknowledge that there are good players. You know, Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge. I'm a big Aaron Judge fan. Uh, I take that back. Okay, I lost a bet to myself uh, that... Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but essentially I own an Aaron Judge t-shirt, which I'm okay with wearing, but like, look, I'm a Lakers fan. I own some Lakers stuff. I also own a Ja Morant t-shirt because I love watching Ja Morant. I own a, uh, gosh, I own a Diamondback. Well, I had the Diamondback stuff for, for work, but uh, look, the Jim makes a good point. Just because they don't play on your team doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge a player that does well for another team or a player that's fun to watch on another team. I don't like the Arizona Cardinals. I love watching Kyler Murray. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I'm excited to see what else he does. If I've ever been negative against him, I'm completely wrong, and I'll completely dis- disagree with what I've said in the past about Kyler Murray because I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I love watching him play, and I'd be happy to wear a T-shirt that said Kyler Murray on it. You can't not acknowledge when a team has a good player uh, and it's somebody who's fun to watch just because they play on a certain team. It just it limits your fandom of the sport. Like Jim said, it limits like just you appreciating the sport. I think fantasy has kind of caused me to be fans of people, fans of players yeah, as opposed 100%. to 100%. Right, as opposed to being fans of teams. I'm a Lakers fan. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo, whose last name I still can't pronounce, but I love watching him play. Doesn't mean I'm not a Lakers fan. Just because I like the Dodgers and the Angels doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge that there are good players on other teams. I just mentioned I love watching Ronald Acuña Jr. play. Stop limiting yourself. You don't got to buy their stuff. That's fine. But you can't, you know, you can't completely disagree that there aren't guys on certain teams who aren't fun to watch. Yeah, 1,000%. I agree, right. which brings back to my main point. Yeah. Uh, find me a Nate Robinson jersey because I need to see him knock the crap out of Jake Paul. Yes, I am 100% going to buy a Nate Robinson jersey. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're referring to, Nate Robinson, who was a former basketball player for the Knicks, he won the slam dunk contest against Dwight Howard. Uh, he is going to be boxing against YouTube nightmare Jake Paul uh, in the undercard fight to Mike Tyson's comeback tour, which uh, he's going to be fighting Roy, uh, what, Roy Jones Jr. In, a, in Roy there. Jones Jr., this is, that's going to be such a, like, some of these either are going to get knocked out or they're going to get winded by, like, the third round. Mike Tyson, I don't want to fight against Mike Tyson. <laughs> that man scares me. I want to fight against Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. Have you ever seen his knockout compilation? I may not want to fight against Nate Robinson, but we'll see what happens. So, that is going to do it for the show. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com. Our social media is Jim. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me everywhere at Sir James Radio. I can even give you my you know, PayPal if you want to send me some money. All right. Yeah, you hit up Jim on PayPal on whatever his PayPal is. Um, you can find me, again, at intern underscore Phil. We're going to keep the sort of fan mail question contest going if Jim and I don't already know you or have had interactions with you on any sort of social media platform and you tweet us a question about the 2020 season I will send you something Angels related I just got something I think somebody would really really like to add to their Angels collection so uh, with that like I mentioned, if you're interested in advertising on the show, BLEAV.com, Believe.com. We've got a bunch of great shows on this network. Baseball is starting up, so a lot of our baseball shows are going to be kicking off. This show is obviously going to be sort of re-injecting itself into the uh, Believe category, or excuse me, the Believe, I don't know, 
episode list, whatever. Look, we're going to be covering the team all season long. Hopefully and possibly, if our schedules allow, we will be uh, adding a second episode each week to cover the team throughout the week so that you feel that you get enough coverage for this team from us. We appreciate you listening. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun doing this show. I'm happy to do it with Jim. This is a good buddy of mine. We've been friends for a very long time, and it's fun to talk some baseball. We're happy baseball's back, and we are ready to get things going. Jim, do you have any final words before we call it? I've missed you, baseball, and everybody keep wearing your damn mask. All right. That being said, we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, bye, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.